The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. Speaking on the issues that impact, this is The Patrick Henningsen Show on TNT Radio. Welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hour number two of this live broadcast. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. Thank you for rejoining us. Uh, fantastic discussion, as I thought it would be, uh, with our special guest, Nico House, in the first hour. Hotspot Media is his organization, and he does exactly that. Hot takes, hot spots on all the top stories. He's got a good presence on TikTok. Uh, he's also on other platforms as well. X Twitter, as well as where you want to follow him, where you're going to get the real political commentary and the details there along with the videos but uh incredible commentator uh nico and very happy to have him weigh in on this historic uh day today south africa opening up uh in the genocide convention hearings in the hague in the netherlands i don't think you can underestimate the significance of this uh historically it is really something uh this is just the beginning of course of a long long legal road and uh folks this is going to last we might be able to get maybe a, a ceasefire agreement with the cease and desist order at least some kind of international agreement certainly there's noises coming out of israel right now they realize they've gone too far they're talking about a political solution with hezbollah others are admitting that they're they can't uh eviscerate and uh, destroy hamas completely that's an idea it's a political movement now after they've conducted genocide and killed tens of thousands of innocent Palestinians, they're now admitting what we all could have told you before this all started, of course. Uh, so that is a signal in my mind and others, that's a signal that they're going to have to change tact uh, right now. It's just the, the, the international condemnation, the potential for isolation of Israel, and really the delegitimization of Israel uh, as a country uh, in what it's attempting to do with this long-running illegal occupation and now committing genocide against the native Palestinian population. This whole Zionist project, I think, is really in jeopardy. And uh, a lot of other people are commenting about this as well. These types of things lead to regime change. They lead to the breakup sometimes of countries. This has happened before, either by civil war or a breakup that's imposed uh, by external powers or a collapse of a regime uh, from within uh, because of the weight of their own uh, hubris, uh, their own corruption. Certainly all these things apply uh, to Tel Aviv. I think that's beyond uh, debate at this point. So we're going to be watching that closely. Tomorrow, Israel is going to be giving its arguments, and it's pretty predictable what those are going to be like. Uh, we'll talk about that with Basil Valentine maybe in a couple of minutes. We'll go to break and get his reaction on this latest development here. So that's tomorrow. That'll be at uh, probably approximately 8.30 a.m., 8.30 a.m. GMT, uh, wherever you are in the world. You can just tune into UN Web TV. They'll be streaming it live. They've also got mirrored streams uh, right across YouTube, uh, and other media organizations are, are showing this as well. We've got yesterday's broadcast up at 21stCenturyWire.com. Of course, you can watch that on X, Telegram, a number of other platforms as well. So I do encourage people to watch it, listen to the arguments, uh, see the evidence. Uh, is pretty incredible when you start to line it all up. 
especially the statements of genocidal intent by Israeli officials. They went by them one by one by one from the prime minister all the way down the line. All of these Israeli officials, parliamentarians, uh, people in government basically making ethnic cleansing statements, genocidal statements. And we also have the same thing in the United States. And uh, I'm going to also point to, and I think it's important to point out, uh, that uh, Article 3, if I'm not mistaken, in the Genocide Convention, Paragraph 3, uh, in this that section talks about uh, aiding and abetting or criminal uh, criminal criminal aiding and abetting of genocide by the party in question being Israel. Who who would be aiding and abetting Israel uh, in genocide, as is being shown now in the international courts of justice? Well, the United States is providing all the bombs. The United States is providing all the ammunition. And you have statements by heads of Israeli defense, former heads of defense, saying that if the U.S., did not supply bombs or ammunition, that the Israeli operation would end in a few weeks. So that shows you here that the United States isn't just a external player in this, that Anthony Blinken has uh, made himself a liaison between Washington and Tel Aviv to give, quote, everything Israel needs uh, in order to do whatever they want to do in Gaza, and now we know that is uh, genocide. So that makes the United States a party to the genocide, a co-belligerent, and it makes them liable uh, in the international courts. Now, anybody can take that action against the U.S. after this emergency cease and desist uh, is executed, this uh, this declaration right now. So that would come after. And uh, we'll be having an extended legal discussion about this uh, on Twitter spaces uh, with an esteemed legal panel. I'll be joining in on that. That'll be on Twitter, X Twitter spaces, DD Geopolitics, DD Geopolitics. Uh, you follow that account uh, on, on Twitter, and she'll be hosting uh, this discussion tomorrow about the Genocide Convention. I'll be joined there with Mohammed Akunji, uh, Stanley Cohen, international lawyer, and of course, Norman Finkelstein. So it's going to be a very interesting uh, panel discussion. I'm very honored to be invited to talk on that panel discussion. So you can check that out. Just follow us on Twitter. That'll be tomorrow, Friday in the afternoon, probably somewhere in the evening. If you're in the UK, uh, it'll be somewhere in the neighborhood of kind of, I don't know, 9 p.m. Uh, UK time. So uh, in terms of uh, East Coast standard time, that'll probably be uh, somewhere around, I would say, 4, 4 p.m. Uh, East Coast standard time, 4 or 5. So just keep an eye at 21 Wire and you'll get some directions uh, there. Now, uh, I want to also point out, there's a breaking story, which I think is pretty incredible. Uh, former Ukrainian MP, uh, we're talking about Andrei Durkash. Andrei Durkash former Ukrainian MP, he's, in, he, he's had to flee for his life from Ukraine because uh, there was an assassination attempt uh, contract put out on him. Um, and he basically uh, helped release the uh, tapes, the Durkash tapes that had Joe Biden and Petro Poroshenko with Biden admitting his criminality. Uh, but anyway, he has surfaced uh, in an interview with journalist uh, Simona uh, Mangiante. Uh, and this was an interview which took place in Minsk recently in Belarus. And Durkash was working with Rudy Giuliani at the time, Trump's lawyer who was sent over uh, to Ukraine. 
uh, to investigate, to find out what's happening with Viktor Shokin, who was the Ukrainian uh, general prosecutor head at the time, and Biden had boasted that he had the prosecutor fired. If he didn't drop, uh, well, and get the, told Poroshenko, get rid of the prosecutor. That prosecutor is working on investigations into Burisma, Hunter Biden's company in Ukraine. And uh, Biden bragged that uh, he said, well, you're not going to get a billion-dollar loan guarantee from the U.S. unless you fire the prosecutor. Well, son of a bitch, as Joe said, he fired the prosecutor. Biden boasted about that publicly at a public forum. But anyway, that's all coming back uh, to haunt the Bidens. Uh, and so that was an interview that was released by Simona, and it's pretty stunning. Uh, and anyway, that's uh, a lot of people are talking about this now. Uh, this is actually featured up at RT. This is a major story, by the way. And so why why not get Durkash to testify at the impeachment hearings? Because he certainly knows a lot, judging by this interview. Seems to be, seems to be the case. Would not be the ideal witness. Give him protection. Get him to Washington. Get him to testify. Find out what Joe Biden's involved in. What are the Bidens involved in internationally? Pay-to-play schemes in China, in Ukraine. Where else? Romania. What else were they up to? Millions of dollars. As allegations of bribes. It's unbelievable. What kind of a racket is the Biden crime family running? We'll find out. We'll find out soon enough. We've also published uh, extensive articles on this at 21stCenturyWire.com. We'll talk more about this and uh, in the coming days and weeks. So I'm looking forward to digging a little bit deeper in this. Listen, take a break right now. Let's take a break with TNT, today's news talk, and connect Basil Valentine on the other side. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. We'll be right back. You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. And I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. <laughs> the world yeah. is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Take us back in time, and who was Mike Flynn? He was the National Security Advisor to the President. Why is it that they go after me so hard, and why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming President of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, you have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations, that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality 
in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's gonna protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. This moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism or you're talking about communism, socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism. But the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization and brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat, people will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at SalemNow.com A hoax about carbon dioxide in the climate has caused a global energy and economic disaster. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to TNT Today's News Talk. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. Thank you for rejoining us wherever you are in the world. We appreciate your viewership and your listenership. Big hello to everybody in the TNT chat community. Great to see you guys in there. I've got some really promising numbers in there, uh, eclipsing 100, 120 we had yesterday. So it's great to see the numbers building up, but back again in the TNT chat. And that's, when we, that's where you want to be during the live broadcast. Uh, I want to welcome onto the line right now our roving correspondent this week, Basil Valentine, who's uh, lurking somewhere off the coast of Africa. He's joining us on the line right now. We'll get his uh, reactions on some of the big breaking global stories. Basil, how are you? Very well. Thank you, Patrick. Good to be with you. And uh, hello to our listeners all around the world. So our intrepid uh, correspondent, Mr. Valentine, uh, Africa is in the news has made a big impact this morning. I was up at uh, local time here, 2 a.m., uh, to watch the proceedings in The Hague. Uh, have you had a chance to uh, digest what's gone on, and what are your what are your initial feelings and reactions? Uh, well, South Africa has made a very compelling case. Um, people have found it very moving and harrowing to listen to, to have it spelled out. Um, the clear intention to genocide as well of course as the outcome uh people as your last guest said seem to think that genocide means everybody is killed far from it um uh, almost most condemning of course is netanyahu's own words he addressed israeli forces on the 28th of october prior to the ground invasion urging the soldiers to remember what Amalek has done to you, referring to the biblical command by Jehovah 
to sow the retaliatory destruction of an entire group of people, um, put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, females, camels and donkeys. And this uh, genocidal, I mean, insane command was repeated in writing in a letter to the Israeli armed forces on the 3rd of November. Uh, so you, they couldn't even argue that this was something he said in the heat of the moment or, you know, worked up by the occasion of addressing troops. This was 100% premeditated. Now, we've already had a response from the interestingly named Lior Hayat, uh, who represents the Israeli foreign ministry. He's their spokesperson. He's the uh, Matthew Miller of Israel, if you like. Um, first name spelt L-I-O-R. Lior. Very close to Liar. Oh, easy now. <laughs> Are you trying to tell me the Israelis don't lie, Patrick? Oh, cut to the chase, Basil. What did he say? <laughs> well, this is what he said. Today, we were witness to one of the greatest shows of hypocrisy in history, compounded by a series of false and baseless claims. This is the official release. South Africa, which is functioning as the legal arm of the Hamas terrorist organization, <laughs> utterly distorted the reality in Gaza following the October the 7th massacre and completely ignored the fact that Hamas terrorists infiltrated Israel, murdered, executed, massacred, raped, that's back in there, and abducted Israeli citizens simply because they were Israelis in an attempt to carry out genocide. South Africa seeks to allow Hamas to return to commit the war crimes, crimes against humanity and sexual crimes that it, they committed repeatedly on October the 7th, as its leaders have stated. Hamas representatives in the court, the South African lawyers, do you, do you get that? Hamas representatives mm -hmm. in the court, South lawyers. That's what they're going to tr try and portray them as throughout this process. Are also ignoring the fact that Hamas uses the civilian population in Gaza as human shields and operates from within hospitals, schools, UN shelters, mosques and churches. So they're, they're trying to get their blanket cover for destroying everything for the scorched earth policy. With the intention of endangering the lives of the residents of the Gaza Strip. So same tropes. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's the same tropes. It's the program, isn't it? The script hasn't changed. It's uh, Hamas are using uh, the people's human shields. That justifies our rapacious bombing campaign. Uh, same old, same old. It's an anti-terror operation, and we gave them a chance to leave. We dropped leaflets. We told them we are going to flatten their city. They didn't listen, so it's really on them. And uh, what else? Uh, you know, a couple of hundred Palestinian resistance fighters with uh, with with uh, AK forty sevens driving Chinese mopeds uh, somehow are going to genocide the people of Israel. I mean, you got to be kidding me! This is a nuclear armed power. So, like, who are they kidding? They're just going to go with this uh, tomorrow with their arguments, Basil. It's going to be entertaining and depressing in equal measure to watch them try to push out the demagoguery, the tropes, yes. the talking points, the fake news about mass rape. And this was the worst, uh, uh, this is the worst targeting of uh, Jewish civilians since the Holocaust. 
I mean, all of these things are going to get trotted out again, even though each and every one of these has more or less been thoroughly debunked ever since October 7th. Is this what's going to happen tomorrow? And where are they? what do they expect to achieve uh, uh, tomorrow uh, in, in The Hague, Basil? Well, the, the South Africans are well prepared for this and have already uh, made the case very strongly that what Hamas did on October the 7th is irrelevant to the charge of genocide being leveled against Israel. It is not a legal defense to say these people did these horrible things, therefore we have to kill 30,000 civilians. That's not a defense. It's as simple as that. You can't blame somebody else for your actions. But that's precisely what the whole, uh, you know, human shields, hiding in mosques, etc. That's precisely what that claim is all about. It's uh, an egregious example of victim blaming. You know, we are having to kill you all because you are in the wrong place. We have to, we have to destroy that place, that shelter, that hospital, because we believe there are terrorists in it and therefore we have the right to destroy it. Now, even James O'Brien on LBC said yesterday, look, you know, in the 1970s and 80s when the IRA were committing deadly bombings on the streets of London, Birmingham, Birmingham pub bombs, Guildford bombs, um, we didn't retaliate by carpet bombing the Falls Road and the Catholic districts of London Derry. You know, I mean, people got very, very excited, quite understandably so, about Bloody Sunday, as it came to be known, the incident in the early 1970s when British troops opened fire on uh, Catholic nationalist protesters and some were killed, you know, um, uh, and that's been a 50-year legal case. I mean, that was a pinprick compared to Israel's actions in Gaza. That was like stubbing your toe against having a limb amputated. So, you know, this whole question of sort of proportionality of response, which has been set aside, is something that the court are going to have to consider because... Uh, while Israel will claim it's simply acting in self-defense, the scale of the devastation and the destruction, the destruction of the civilian infrastructure renders those arguments invalid. And if the court behaves, you know, in, in the neutral way that it's supposed to, then, so that, you know, then Israel will be found guilty. Now, of course, the Israelis are trying to lean on the judges and they're trying to lean on uh the governments that they control when i say that i mean the united states the united kingdom uh, what you know others in nato and uh, their allies to lean on the judiciary to say listen this is going to be very very embarrassing for our country britain america france germany if uh an injunction comes as the result of a guilty verdict because you know, then suddenly you've got a situation where Rishi Sunak, for example, uh, you know, we want you to win, he said to Netanyahu, um, and who only last night passed the absolutely disgraceful anti-BDS legislation in the House of Commons. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
a truly evil decision, um, he's going to find himself in the position of being complicit in genocide. Now, whether or not that's retrospective um, uh, and uh, someone like him can be charged, uh, by the way, internationally, the the penalty for genocide is the death penalty. You know, let's mm. not forget that at Nuremberg. Firing squads. Nazis yeah, were but yeah, well, it's um, a special tribunal, but uh, yeah. not 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 um, with the ICJ. Yeah. So uh, there certainly would have to be a total moratorium on any kind of material support for Israel if if this injunction comes out, and from the United States. So we're going to be in a position where if Israel is found guilty, is the U.S. going to flagrantly defy? the ICJ, the United Nations, and everybody else in international law, and continue to supply munitions for what the world has decided is a genocide. That would be a very interesting point, and we're not very far away from it. Well, that's, what's, uh, that's what we have to look forward to. I know I talked about some of the timeline of events and what could happen as the process moves forward. Again, I'm going to remind people uh, there's a lot of different things that will happen in the short term, the medium term, and the long term. When we say long term, we're talking about this could be adjudicated, will be probably for at least a decade or more. So this is not going away. And uh, that's bad news for Israel, unfortunately. And everybody working within the Israeli organs and institutions and military government, I'm sorry, but, uh, yep, you're named and you're going to be in there. The evidence is being updated uh, periodically. There'll be new cases coming in from different countries as well, uh, as well as civil and criminal cases. And they'll be done in international yeah, the, the, and, and domestic jurisdictions. That's all we got time for. We're going to have to break. Basil Valentine will be, pick up this thread hopefully tomorrow. There's a lot more to report. But uh, thank you for chiming is. in. Thank you for chiming in on TNT today, Basil. Pleasure as always, Patrick. There he goes, ladies and gentlemen, as our intrepid correspondent this week, Basil Valentine. Great commentary, great insights from Basil. Look, take we're going to take a break right now with the network, and when we come back, we're going to connect with Christian James on the other side. Very much looking forward to this conversation about the cartel coup in Ecuador. You'll find out more about this shortly. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. We'll be right back. The challenges our planet's animals are facing sometimes feel a bit heavy. The animals haven't eaten in a day, two days. They haven't drank anything. They're cold, they're dehydrated. As soon as we started our descent, everywhere I could see was mud. Just absolutely mud. You know, the country has been long for drought so long. It was like a tinderbox waiting to go up. Okay, very heavy. Each of us wants to be part of the solution. And we can be. Remember that there's good happening right now. At home. All right, we were able to get into your unit, and we have all four of your cats. So, uh... Uh, okay. And around the world. For any animal in any disaster. So let's focus on that, right? Be part of the solution. One rescue at a time. Search ifa.org forward slash disaster ready. Last week, Brandon met a girl on a dating app. One day after work, he finally found the courage to ask her out. No answer. He started to panic. Was he being too pushy? Maybe it was too... Hey, sorry I didn't respond. I was driving. 
I would love to go on a date. How does tonight sound? Brandon tried to play it cool, but inside he knew. A girl so smart, so responsible. She must be a keeper. You're with Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back. Welcome back, folks. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. Thank you for rejoining us here on TNT, today's news talk. And uh, great comments, of course. Great updates uh, from Basil Valentine. He's got his finger on the pulse of the biggest stories in the world. That's why we always cut to him for reactions and hot takes on what's happening. And another great uh, asset for us in keeping up with some of the stories that the mainstream aren't giving justice to, of course, is our research assistant for the show, Christian James. We've got him on the line right now uh christian welcome to the program oh thank you very much patrick it is uh it is rather blustery windy cold and chilly here in uh britain at the present time it's about minus two to minus five with a, a real feel chill uh out here it's pretty cold but i'm here and welcome to join glorious weather in britain of course uh during this time of year uh so it's so popular everyone flocks to britain don't they during january and february to uh, catch the, the the glory of the of the rain, the clouds, it's uh, it's poetic, it's epic. Um, uh, Christian, uh, in terms of big stories, one of the stories I actually want to talk to you about this. Um, one of the stories that emerged over the last week, uh, which a lot of people didn't quite know what to make sense of because the video footage circulating online was just let's just say it's insane, totally mental. What's going on in the country of Ecuador? in south america can you give us a little bit of an insight here uh just kind of like set the scene of what we're looking at there and have you been like digging into this do you can you give us more information more more details about what what exactly went down but go ahead yes Ecuador, of course is a country with a tumultuous past you know has, a, has an amazing history goes back thousands of years but right now it is in a state of utter chaos so we have there's on the streets, depending, I guess, who you speak to, I guess you're going to have a very different opinion of what's going on. Um, so you have the um, the president over there right now, the person who's in charge. Of course, he comes from a uh, United States background. Uh, he comes, uh, Mr. Dabu, I believe his name is. And so he has taken the country since 2017, since he's been in charge. He's not very well. He's not very well liked. He's not very popular. Most people would believe that he sides with the Americans, and they, of course of seeking to um, keep the country down, downtrodden and taking away a lot of the natural resources and keeping them in this perpetual state. So what has happened is a large percentage of the uh, the cartels have almost formed a a coalition, effectively. If you were to look at the videos that are appearing on X and on social media, one view is is that some cartels have got together. They've been quite vicious. You know, they're certainly not a party of any kind. Uh, they're seeking to take the government back into their control, which I guess will be good for business. Um, and obviously to take the, the police down, take the armed forces down and the military away. The um, There are people who have sided with them, you know, people, villagers, you know, townsfolk who agree with that perspective that they need to take it back to the country and the people. Likewise, the flip side is the opposite, where you have uh, the police and the military have also sided with the people who they've given arms to to take out the radical cartels. So now you have an almost split divide happening across uh, much of the uh, developed um, side of Ecuador. Um, a few days ago, I believe it was Tuesday, um, a number of what the media are framing as terrorists broke into a television station owned by, I think it was Fox uh, affiliate. And they 
um, took over. They took over the broadcast live as it happened, um, and they took people out into the corridor. They were subsequently arrested a couple of hours later, although the footage you see online obviously appears to be when they take um, control. And um, the messages they were putting out is really you need to get – they want all the people off the streets by 11 o'clock. They want a curfew installed because they want to go to war with the government um, to take it back for the people. So there's this weird kind of um, quasi-chaos that's going on across uh, the country of Ecuador. I, I can imagine that the public and the civilian life uh, is, is severely disrupted right now. Um, it, as I was looking at this, you, I kind of got the impression that this could in fact be like Operation Condor that happened back in the 1970s. And the documents that came out from there, what showed that there was a deliberate intention to uh, destabilize the countries in South America. And as I was looking at this, it appears that, you know, the people are being led in a kind of like coup d'etat kind of way, a natural kind of um, upswelling um, to take back the government that we've seen around the world in the last 20 years or so um, as, a, as a kind of a, a recurring theme that happens in a number of countries. And this one kind of looks like that's the same kind of impression that's happening here. You clearly have uh, a divide between the two the, um, the sides. The cartels want to take back to the people. Government also want to uh, resume control. Um, so I think what's happening on, on the streets right now is, is very difficult to assess. Um, the videos that are coming out are vicious. They're quite violent. I saw one yesterday where a number of um, cartel members have broken into a prison and broken a, a number of uh, prisoners to, to join their ranks, as it were. And they were, unfortunately, they were executing the guards as some of the videos that showed. It was quite vicious. Um, but also you're seeing there was footage of the military shooting at what potentially is civilians. It wasn't quite shown or clear what that was. Um, but they could have been cartel members. They could have been members of a, a militia of some kind. That wasn't quite clear in the videos. But um, the streets were empty. There's cars that are burned out. Um, it's certainly a war-torn situation over happening at the present time. Yeah, so this is the uh, th the young president, uh, thirty six year old uh, Daniel yeah. Naboa. Uh, I think this is, uh, his term just began. I think in uh, November of twenty twenty three, if I'm not mistaken. But so That's so right. he's saying he's ta taking on the armed gangs, uh, and so you've got. I, I presume he's got the 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 military uh, on his side. Um, I don't know if there's militias uh, in Ecuador as well. I mean, a lot of people are accusing. Uh, Naboa of being a sort of uh, intelligence plant from the United States, you know, a businessman. I think he's affiliated with some Washington, D.C. Uh, organizations there. It's certainly got very good. This one's got very interesting uh, pedigree uh, within the Beltway as well. But uh, so this is interesting how this is shaping up. Operation Condor, definitely worth noting in history. And, you know, when it comes to the theatrics of some of this, you know, th like the cartels as a revolutionary uh, movement here. Certainly, I got some big questions as to what we're really looking at here. So I, I don't know if uh, the, the the truth about this story, uh, if it's going to basically come out after the fact. But uh, apparently, this young president here has declared uh, war on uh, 22 terrorist gangs, I guess, that form the sort of under- uh, the the under umbrella of a sort of wider uh, organized crime drug cartels here, and so he's decreed this uh, country is now involved in an insurgency. Uh, you could say a type of a civil war, but the thing is, Christian, uh, when I look at the drug cartels in Central and South America, we always find this the fingerprints of the CIA. 
Uh, so, sure. you know, it may, it makes me question what's really going on here. Could this be a type of a controlled situation to engineer some sort of an outcome? Because often in these cases, uh, if this does fizzle out, if the young president is seen to be, is seen to be, uh, successful in, you know, defeating this, uh, uprising that will basically secure a power mandate uh for him for looking at 36 years old if he's pro-us could stay in power for what 30 years 40 years president yep. for life maybe on the back of the success of putting down this rebellion i don't know i'm looking at these things sometimes taking a long view christian we just don't know all the details yet but maybe we will uh what are your thoughts on some of these things you know, exactly the same. It, it appears to be a, a, maybe a power play, a long game being played here. The CIA certainly that appears to be their fingerprints. They've got a, a history of doing such things. Like I say, um, you mentioned there that he's inexperienced, that he's young. He's only been around for a short period of time. Um, he's certainly been through the um, the Ivy League schools in the U.S., which you know is meant to flag him mm. up to um, intelligence services and so on. Um, so you have the Moreno and the Lasso presidencies um, that have allowed corruptions in the past. You know this. Is he hardlining against you know such corruption and causing these people to um, you know be executed or be arrested? Apparently, there's a, a mega jail. Apparently, is under construction at the present time to put away these narco gangs. There, um, there was uh, some of the things I was reading. There's massive weapons caches that have disappeared that they don't know where they've gone. So what you have is this descent into chaos, and who knows what's going to be um, the stability in that country? And I think it's going to go to like utter failure. Um, there's a potential that the Ecuador might ask for support from the U.S. or support from like the Mexican government to come down and obviously help them combat that situation to help forge that uh, alliance to be stronger. And if they do, potentially there's a, uh, you know, we'll happily hand you some of our resources as an agreement. You know, Ecuador sits on um, a, a large amount of natural resources that have yet to be tapped in perhaps the way that um, the U.S. would like. And then we know that they've gone after Venezuela in much the same way. Um, so we could have a power play in that regards to get hold of, um, you know, what's under the ground effectively, whether it be oil or diamonds or uh, minerals and so on under there. Um, it's quite likely that might be uh, the case here. And what's also happened as well, and, and we saw this with the Mexican drug cartels, uh, where there'd be some kind of an acrimonious split uh, between the, you know, the Sinaloa and the Zeta in Mexico, for instance, or uh, down in Colombia, where you have these sort of paramilitaries, and then you have the FARC, uh, sort of you know, left-wing uh, revolutionary rebels, all sort of splitting or outgrowths of uh, the, the sort of Mexican drug cartels. And then the United States is going to be basically taking sides. So it's also a case of if the cartels get too big and too powerful, they need to be broken up and reined in. This is also a, a, a legitimate issue that comes up in these situations. So maybe, you know, the United States, the CIA uh, need to do a reordering of the organized uh, crime syndicates in this country in order to create some more order and more uh, loyalty, for instance, and uh, otherwise it could easily spiral into a populist uh, left-wing movement that could indeed be revolutionary. So we might even be seeing 
somewhat of a, the green shoots of an actual uh, populist uh, revolutionary movement here coming in the form of uh, criminal gangs, as they're calling them in the left. But I don't know the ins and outs of it well enough, but I'm thinking of that Colombian situation, Christian, uh, with the sort of more right-wing fascist paramilitaries and then the more left-wing FARC. Uh, and, and I'm looking at that situation, I'm thinking, is, is it, do we have somewhat of the same thing potentially going on here? And certainly this is of the, the highest level of interest uh, for the United States. And Ecuador has long been a lot of expats there, and it's long been seen as a CIA playground uh, by a lot of people. And so it's like one of their sort of bases of operation, if you will, uh, in South America. So that's one thing I'm kind of looking at. I, I have a feeling, Christian, that more answers are going to come out. But your, your, your thoughts on this, we'll go to break in a second, but uh, uh, what are your other thoughts on this? Yes, yeah, so and my last thought really is in regards to effectively you could mass push out um, a population who feel displaced or they don't feel happy in their country. And we know right now the U.S. southern border is currently open for business and they would like people mm. to come over, of course, vote for the Democrats. And I, that, that was a kind of um, – if you look at the comments across X, that appears to be a general thought that people are having is that is this a way to essentially send people um, across Mexico to, to, um, to the United States? Um, in this situation, is there going to be a mass exodus of people from Ecuador in the same way that we're currently having from across all the um, South American countries and indeed beyond? No, I like I like that. I want to uh, explore that that idea a little bit after the break. I'm here with Christian James, our research assistant for the show, talking about the cartel coup, uh, potential coup potential revolutionary movement in Ecuador, what this means more broadly, going up to the U.S. southern border and more. I'm Patrick Henningsen. Stay with us. We'll be right back after these messages. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. I was asked today by someone, what makes me mad? What gets me anxious? Lies. Distortion. Not telling the whole truth. Trying to paint something different than what it actually is because you have an agenda. That gets me upset. The reason it gets me upset is I think everyone should have the opportunity to decide for themselves, based on all information possible, what they want to do with their lives. Let's take the global temperature. The global temperature is a very poor metric for measuring the climate. Better than the global temperature is what we call the wet bulb temperature, which is the saturation temperature of the air. And even better than that, just use pure water vapor. That explains everything. If we track the amount of increase of water vapor, we know the correlation between temperature and water vapor. It explains beautifully what's going on. We don't even need any CO2 back radiation theory. But you're not going to hear that. It makes me mad. And you know why it makes me mad? Because it's not telling the truth. It's hiding the truth, distorting the truth. And that means that you cannot make the decision you need to make as an individual with your free will. And basically, that's what this whole climate fight is all about. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Hi, I'm Ryan Blaney, a third generation race car driver. And we dedicate a lot of our time to going as fast as possible. But when my grandpa was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, it was a very unexpected bump in the road for us. It's important to notice if older family members are acting differently, experiencing problems with their memory, or having trouble with routine tasks. Early detection of Alzheimer's can give your family time to explore support services, make a plan for the future, and access available treatments. 
If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. Patrick Henningsen and TNT. All right, welcome back, welcome back. Final segment of the final hour of this live broadcast. Joining us on the line right now, our research assistant for the show, Christian James. Before the break, we were talking about this very interesting story uh, about the cartel coup in Ecuador. And Christian, the videos that are, did you see the uh, the execution video? I mean, I that, did, was yeah. just, that went viral. I mean, this is sort of stuff that's going, I mean, I know we've been desensitized to some of the worst atrocities uh, from Gaza over the last uh, couple of couple of months, but that, you know, this sort of like, you know, having a c- catching Ecuadorian military or police, I think had them hogtied with uh, uh, sacks over their head, literally yanks one out, uh, you know, pops him a couple in the head and like, that's just circulating on social media. I mean, it's just crazy. Uh, it's like the stuff of, uh, Hollywood films, but it's, uh, completely real. So it seems realistic anyway, about as real as it gets, but, uh, yeah. And that that's just one. I mean, there were some other crazy, uh, videos just showing the stuff out in the street, kind of mayhem and anarchy, uh, on the streets, uh, of the capital of uh, Ecuador, there. Very interesting, though. I don't know if you saw any of the uh, the footage that was circulating on this. Yeah, I did. I saw that that particular execution video. And I, I guess when we do live in a world that is desensitized now, that it almost becomes like it's a normalization of these kind of um, situations. That that person died in that situation. That person with a life, a family, um, you know, mm. a future, you know, has ended and. Uh, that's another situation for everyone going to work in Ecuador. You know, those police and those um, military serving people there. Yeah, you know, essentially, they, that's their job is to go out there and, and face those situations where they might indeed get uh, taken and the worst happen to you. Um, I was going to say, so what they've done is they've declared a 60-day state of emergency. Uh, so so Los uh, Chineros uh, Cartel, they broke out their leader uh, yesterday, uh, Aldifo uh, Macias, on Ecuadorian prison. So there's going to be like a full lockdown from, I think it's like 10 o'clock at night. Cartels have says don't uh, to civilians, don't come out after 11. You know, keep your heads down. It almost seems like a public service announcement. <laughs> it's just, it's, well, we're going to go to war for this situation and we need to free ourselves and uh, free the populace. But there's just something missing, isn't there? There's, there's a, it's a story, I think, to drive people north, in, in my opinion. Uh, I think you're, I think you're onto something there and, you know, we're not talking about small numbers. Uh, and, and also there's this, uh, you know, the, the angle on, uh, immigration into the U S over the Southern border is, um, they're all claiming political asylum. And that's been the big knock against the open border policy that the Democrats have is they're claiming that these are all political asylum cases when in fact, they're pretty much all, uh, economic migrants. Uh, so coming to the United States for, you know, economic opportunities, uh, various uh, benefits and uh, entitlements and opportunities that uh, they can't get at home. So really nothing to do with the politics as such. But with this situation in Ecuador, um, if you have, let's say, I don't know, 50,000 people coming up uh, up Central America, making the journey from Ecuador, uh, they could all claim political asylum. They're fleeing the cartels. Make that 100,000 Christian. I don't know, 150,000? Where's the cap on this? I mean, I just think that that's a, certainly a big possibility uh, because it would legitimize their asylum claim uh, when they arrive in the U.S. So I, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, your, th- your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, that was really where I was going with it. They could then say, you know, we are free in war, we are free in persecution, we're free in the cartels. You need to kind of give us a, a home and a place to live. I mean, I understand that need to be economically free to, you know, uh, pursue the dream, the American dream, as it were. But now, of course, they can legitimize that. And and I guess that, like you said there, the Republicans have been using that as a, no, you can't come over here. There's no reason why you're here. Well, actually, well, now there is. And we can uh, green stamp you and in you come. I mean, I was reading some stories about some, uh, it was a, a New York, um, a school, sorry, in, in New York State where they had to close the schools because they put them up into uh, into the gymnasiums and into the classrooms as a kind of emergency hotel due to the uh, the vast numbers that are coming through, um, which is just crazy to consider. Like, let's close the schools to bring in more migrants. But uh, that is the situations they're facing over in the United States at the present time. Yeah, that's the Democrats' uh, uh, big uh, ace card, which is uh, to turn uh, as many counties and states uh, blue uh, as the Democrat voting uh, districts as possible by literally shipping in the bodies uh, from South America, Central America, Mexico. Uh, by the way, they're not coming from Mexico. They're coming from further afield. What does that tell you about the economy in Mexico? It looks like things are improving in Mexico. So you're not getting a massive amount of immigration from Mexico and people are like leaving the U.S. Mexicans to go back to Mexico. Uh, what does that say about the state of the United States? But anyway, that's about uh, buying votes. That's about changing Texas into a Democrat state for every election. That's about permanent power uh, for the Democratic Party. That's really what that whole agenda is. I think anybody looking at that honestly will see it that way. But just moving yeah. over uh, to just changing subject, we've got a couple of minutes left. Um, I know you mentioned you've been looking at, uh, this is a massive electronics week uh, in Las Vegas every year in the United States. Also have the European counterpart as well. CES is probably the biggest trade show in the world. I think I've been, I was, when it was called Comdex, I used to go back in the early nineties where you'd have like five or six major conference centers all joined up exhibition centers and everybody is there. All the players are there, Microsoft and all the rest of them. It's grown since then. It's actually the biggest thing ever. And uh, so what's happening at CES? I know there's a lot, I know surveillance tech is very lucrative these days uh with government contracts and whatnot um but what what are you seeing what's coming out of ces uh this week well, I guess you have kind of um, a two-flow situation here you have the keynote speeches you know from all the industrial commercial and com uh, consumer technologies but then you also have the big players such as intel um amd um the big corporations go well this is the tech we're rolling out potentially a little bit down the line uh, this is a technology you're going to have to build your backbone on what it is you want to develop. So there's this kind of two-sided front here. So um, like you said there, it's Las Vegas, it's tech-obsessive. Um, I really just wanted to kind of highlight some of the, um, what do you call it, the, the, um, the kind of themes, really. The major theme of the entire uh, conference this year was AI for all in connectivity. As you know, obviously AI has kind of dominated every conversation over the last two years now. Um, it's about bringing connectivity and uh, productivity uh, the ability to schedule and write emails produce letters telephone calls um without no one even taking care of it so it would automatically answer a call for you as one example was being shown off by sony but a particular tech that i i caught note of was something called skyted the silent mask it's a wrappable digital face mask that wraps around your face around the back of your head where you can hear and take calls that reduces the volume of the speech surrounding you so as you speak naturally no one in your immediate environment can hear you. It also comes with a COVID-19 filter. And uh, if um, 
so that no one around you knows what you're saying or what you're talking about. Um, it also will help you translate in real time. Or if you're on a train or a public place and you're in a place where you're not supposed to talk, you can use this mask and do so. And the idea of having a surveillance state with a piece of technology like that, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, Samsung uh, are rolling out uh, digital ovens that are connected to surveillance and AI cameras uh, to monitor your food in real time, they say. Uh, they're calling it the health and food surveillance technology revolution. That's something we've touched on in the past. Uh, watching what you have coming in, understanding your diet, and coming up with recipes to use up the food that is in your fridge. There'll be AI-generated cameras inside your oven and inside your fridge. Um, <laughs> so monitor what you have, which I thought was quite interesting. There's a company called Ultra Human that is set to be the digital uh, smart home. Uh, and they've launched uh, a new series of um, home health monitoring technologies and surveillance using um, Wi-Fi-like boxes in every room of your house to monitor your uh, your breathing, your heart rates, uh, where you walk, measuring your gait, uh, having real-time communications and health monitoring to bring down your insurance. I'm sure that's uh, something we've spoken about in the past. Um, mm. But uh, the one, the one, the two ones I think really did interest me was Neo plants, genetically bioengineered plants that, according to the company, replace all house plants and all plants potentially in the environment to reduce pollution. And uh, I thought that was a quite interesting uh, piece of technology there to be rolling out. And on autonomous trucking, and certainly in some states in the U.S., has now been able to go ahead. And uh, four major companies are stepping into that space now with automated driving. For those who don't know, I mean. For what they call a the normal colleague, normal worker, as it were, a, driving a HGV wagon is probably the highest value money you can earn, fifty thousand pounds plus in the UK for a, a HGV driver. Uh, if you don't have to pay that amount of money, they're certainly going to be snapping that up uh, to take that role away. Um, so they're just a few of the things that, I, that caught my eye in regards to what they're rolling out. Um, but I think the last, the last thing I think on that very note of CES is a digital birth certificate. Uh, Sony unveiled this using NFTs and the blockchain technology. The idea is that as we now live in a world where there's lots of residual um, graphics, residual, um, if you, for instance, if you use ChatGPT and you ask it to generate a piece of art, for instance, it'll grab art from all over different places of the web and kind of amalgamating them all together to create something new. I know really it's just a, uh, a facsimile. So this basically will allow um, a digital birth certificate on every kind of creative work that you make. So should AI ever use um, a derivative image of it, it will, it will also always be known who owned it and who created it. Mm. That's kind of their way of uh, combating deep fakes and uh, uh, the ability of creating animations and, uh, and images. They, they were the things that I thought would be interesting, certainly for those who are trying to remain free and trying to be aware of what's coming down the line. Have you had a chance to look at the CES this year at all? Yeah, I just kind of perused over it. Um, I think I think it seems like, as you said, Christian, uh, the big buzz is AI. Uh, that seems to be dominating everything. Uh, and going into 2024, people are saying the AI is starting to look like AI now going into uh, the new year. So all the hype, years and years of hype, and people were so waiting, waiting, waiting. When is it going to make the big splash? Well, it looks like it's already made uh, the big splash. A lot of people are really becoming reliant uh, on these uh, chatbots as well and the prompts and so forth. And then the agents within the prompts, uh, all this stuff is sort of coming online. So, yeah, this it's, it's a big part. It's forming a big part and it's touching so many different industries. I don't think you're going to be able to escape it really. But what's that going to mean for the bottom line? Less jobs or more jobs? 
That's the question. Like maybe less jobs. I don't know. I saw some driverless taxis the other day. I got passed by one uh, on the highway. I'm like, where's the driver? It's uh, the ugliest car on earth. I think it's Waymo, I think it's called. But uh, apparently people are using these. So who knows? Call me a Luddite Christian. I'm just not into it yet. But give it time. Well, I, I, I'd like to know there's a person who is at least going to be able to take control of the wheel should the worst happen. I mean... They are pretty good. Apparently, I've heard Tesla is, is pretty reliable, but I still wouldn't want to trust uh, a driverless car as yet. I mean, I, maybe not. like uh, a Luddite. Maybe we are. Maybe Johnny Cab, like uh, Total Recall or whatever it was oh, yeah. with uh, Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Christian James, thank you for joining us, our research assistant for the show. Much appreciated. Thank you very much, Patrick. Uh, pleasure as always. Big thanks to Basil Valentine, our, our intrepid correspondent, chiming in from On the Road, and also Nico House from Hotspot Media. Tremendous segment with Nico in the first hour. You'll see highlights of this at TNTradio.live on our show page as well. Tune in tomorrow, same time, same place. We have a very powerful episode waiting for you tomorrow here on the network. Take care, guys. All the best. All the best.